Which AFC South workhorse back might be taking a step back in 2024? What's the proper way to handle the Raiders' backfield at the moment? And is one recently franchise tag player going too high in the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournaments? Plus, 17-time Dynasty League winner Andy Brown is here to talk about rookie tier breaks, Jackson Smith and Jigba's dynasty value, and much more. We've got a great show. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Farrelliacs. Welcome to the latest episode on a Wednesday. Uh, of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship at myffpc.com, myffpc.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. I'll bring in my co-host, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, in just a second. want to remind you that we are going on the eighth day of the 2024 live drafts in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Now, you can draft slow or live, whatever you want to do. A $1 million grand prize is up for grabs. Yes, you heard me right. You could draft in February for a million bucks, a $6 million prize pool. Just go to myffpc.com to register uh, and play in that tournament, as well as the Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament, the Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament, and the Never Too Early Superflex Best Ball Tournament. Both of them are going to run all the way up to April 25th. Best ball slim rules, no kickers and defenses in those two leagues. 20-round draft, 14-week regular season, three weeks of playoffs, and then we crown a champion. Drafts are available with a 30-second, 60-second, two-hour, and six-hour clock. Uh, Take your shot at either a $25,000 grand prize in the classic uh, never-too-early tournament or a $10,000 grand prize in the Superflex Best Ball Tournament. $125 and $35 to enter those tournaments, respectively, at myffpc.com. And while you're at myffpc.com, pick up some Dynasty Orphan teams. A lot of Dynasty content on the show tonight. Uh, plenty of them are available there. Some have been lowered uh, quite extensively, some down to a dollar. So you could get basically a free year out of this uh, when you just pay the deposit, get that team, and uh, manage it to glory. Plenty of those available. myffpc.com, myffpc.com, and play fantasy football 365 days a year remember to like this video subscribe to the channel comment on the video share it with your friends share it with your enemies and get notified every time we go live like tonight on a special wednesday show uh, no show this friday in case you're listening to this on thursday or friday and you're saying hey are we getting a bonus episode friday no you are not because i will be out of town and I will not have a good enough video or internet signal to do a video podcast, which is why we're hanging out with you on a Wednesday night. Shout out to everybody uh, tuning in and welcome aboard. Uh, let's get to our co-host, ladies and gentlemen. He uh, he was off last week, but he is back with a vengeance. Uh, he is the incomparable at J. Farrell Elliott on X. Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome in, man. What an introduction, Balky. Thank you. And you know, you look very, very fresh on Wednesday night. Perhaps we should do the show on Wednesday right. night. You look rested. Hair looks good. Beard looks good. You, I, you, I can tell you feel good. Uh, but, man, I really missed Colin Hoffman last week, too. He was great. He's giving you well wishes right now in the YouTube no. chat. Fantastic. Listen, we had two Appleton guys, Appleton, Wisconsin guys on the show. How could we go wrong, right? It was always going to be a great show. I'm Team Wisconsin is always one of my favorites. Right. I'm going to tell you this right now. I feel energized. I feel like I have a bunch of energy, and I think it's twofold. Number one, most people's weeks like will start off rough, and then they'll get gradually better as you get towards the weekend. Okay. Mine build up to get more rough. Like Thursday night, we got the two-hour behemoth high-stakes fantasy football show. Friday, we do the high-stakes fantasy football hour. So like, I do most of my work at the end of the week. Now, this is a Wednesday, and I think that has something to do with it. Also, mm-hmm. Farrell. I was yawning a ton tonight at about six o'clock central time. So I had a caffeinated cup of coffee. Now this is really rare for me. I drink 
three cups of decaf every day because I love the smell. I love the taste. I love everything about coffee, but I, I'm not supposed to be having caffeinated beverages, according to my doctor. But I had one tonight because I knew I would never, and I got a bunch of work to do after the show tonight. I would never be able to stay fresh and focused tonight, but I can tell. I'm very energized. I'm excited to talk fantasy football. I'm excited to talk dynasty fantasy football as well tonight. So let's, without further ado, get into it. We're going to kick things off in Jacksonville, Florida. Doug Peterson was talking to NBC, NBC Sports' Matthew Barry at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis this week. And he said, the quote was, Travis Etienne as a workhorse back for Jacksonville is, quote, not the recipe that Doug Peterson would like to cook up. Quote, I would consider knocking a few of those reps down to keep him healthy over the course of the year. Now, Peterson talked about the struggles of Tank Bigsby. Think about how excited we're about Tank Bigsby as the guy behind the guy at the start of the season. Um, but Travis Etienne had the third most touches among all NFL running backs last year with 325. Uh, only McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and Rashad White had more rushing attempts than Etienne last season. He also ran, did Etienne, the fourth most pass routes among running backs this past season. Now, here's the question, Farrell, as I did a roundabout way of, of getting into it. Travis Etienne in the never-too-early best ball tournament right now, uh, according to Fantasy Mojo, fantasymojo.com, at Fantasy Mojo on the X, Darren Armani, the godfather of the pros versus Joes. Subscribe to that site if you play on the FFPC. It is an immense help. Travis Etienne running back nine at the 211. Are we drafting ETN this year based on what he did last year to make him a, a, a late second-round pick? Or is this actually good news that he will be on the field less and hopefully fresher and, and more efficiency will, will follow him? If the question in there was, are you drafting Travis at the end too high? I would say yes. Okay. Um, the, you know, the coach was at the games last year because he can see that this is not a bell cow running back. He, you know, there was – there were several games, um, less than 17 carries. There were at least five games where he gained less than 50 yards. They kept handing him the rock. He had some disgusting efforts last year. Uh, all the things that people would say about Ezekiel Elliott, you could apply to Travis Etienne last year, except he did find the end zone a glorious 11 times. That that rush uh, yards per carry Average was shy of 3.8. Um, the team suffered offensively last year. What I agree with the quote is, can his production be similar with less carries? Yes, probably. Uh, I would expect that. But I think you can do better uh, where this player is being drafted. And I think the team recognizes that they need more of a one-two punch. And they will find a back to support uh, at the end uh, in 2024. Farrell, there is currently, um, on average, in the never too early tournament, 10 running backs going um, prior to the middle of the fourth round. Mm -hmm. Now, ETN goes at the end of the second as the yeah. ninth running back. The 10th running back is Rashad White, who is going at the end of the third round. So mm -hmm. basically, there is a drop off of a full round from ETN to White. And then there's another drop-off of almost the full round from White to Isaiah Pacheco, who's going at the 406. I almost wonder if people – I don't want to say it's a panic pick, but I almost wonder if people like kind of look at the ADP and they realize that they're sitting at the end of the second round. My God, if I don't take a running back here, I'm not going to have the chance to, to take another one until mm. you know potentially Pacheco or James Cook. I wonder if that has something to do with it as well. But as we have said on this show many a time, panic picks don't make cash. And it, well, yeah, and I would rather have Pacheco than this player. I would, I would rather have Rashad than this player. So I'm in a situation where I, this this player is not going to be on my draft board. And I, I go through a lot of years with that. You know, last year, um, the year, the year previous, 2022, we really hammered hard for Josh Jacobs. And last year, we said we're not going to touch him at the price. And Etienne falls into that category. Uh, for me, is I, I wouldn't touch him at the price. I wouldn't give up the wide receiver gold that exists there. And yes, I think it, it, Pacheco is truly an average four. I, I really see him in the drafts I've been in, and I'm drafting in all of them, Bucky. You've been such a great salesman that I have joined every league that you that you possibly can. And in my uh, slow fantasy pros right now, I believe uh, Pacheco was an early third. But, you know, that's why we have Darren who gives us the full picture and not just the uh, 
the limited uh, sample size. You just mentioned Josh Jacobs. Let's talk about him in the Las nope. Vegas Raiders backfield right now. Vic Tafur, who covers the Raiders for the Athletics, said uh, he's reporting that the Raiders don't plan on franchising Josh Jacobs. That would make perfect sense to me. Tom Telesco, the new GM there, said, I don't anticipate using that tag this year. Now, he was talking about Jacobs, maybe just means in general. Um, if they did use it, it would cost just under $14 million in 2024. The Raiders, according to the two to four, are going to use a committee approach in the running game. Now, Jacobs, if he uh, does resign with the Raiders, it's it's you know status quo, business as usual. There, if you look at the ADPs on these guys right now, Jacobs is running back fifteen in the mid fifth round. Zamir White, who actually came in at the end of last season when Jacobs was dinged up uh, and and looked really good, Zamir White ten oh four as the running back thirty three. Do either of those ADPs sound like a value for you in the Raiders' backfield, knowing that there's a non-zero chance Jacobs is a part of it this year? Uh, White definitely looks like a value to me there. Um, we'd have to look. I, I love doing it with you, Balky, where we look at who goes right before mm-hmm. and who goes right after. But there's, I think there's a lot of good running backs. I think Singletary's in the mix around there, too. And people have question marks about him. He's coming off a wonderful season. Um, I think Jacobs played hurt. I think Jacobs played tired. I think most of Jacobs' play came – uh, before Antonio Pierce was installed as the coach. And so there was a significant change in the vibe of the team. I don't think he participated uh, in the big victory over the Chiefs. He was uh, still Jacobs. We just finished talking about Etienne, and we talked a little bit about Jacobs then. Let's go back and look at Etienne, who was just who played a full season and was just over 1,000 yards rushing. Jacobs is 800 yards in what I think was 13 games. So you've got a player here that, I think we'll have a bounce back season wherever he has it. Um, he will do uh, significantly more impressive numbers than his draft position suggests currently. And I think he's a good risk to take. Um, where did you say Jacobs was early? Mid fifth, 506, right? Oh, now. yeah. I think that's a wonderful risk to take because when we start saying, well, this running back wasn't tagged and this won't, none of the free agent running backs were tagged in in major league baseball that would be called collusion and there would be an investigation and here in the nfl it's just the way we do business but i'm not sure i would want to pay any of these running backs uh the tag number at the position either i want them to go out and prove in the market and there's a lot of running backs that i love um travis uh Austin Eckler available in, in this situation, Pollard in this situation. It's it's um, an impressive group, Derrick Henry. So we're drafting with a lot of uncertainty as to uh, uh, location. But when we draft, you know, I just got back from the combine today. I'm headed back tomorrow. The buzz in the air, the agents for these running backs, they've got a full circle of meetings and conversations. And, you know, it, it's on. Everybody's making their best presentation. Uh, for these players, and and they're going to have the player and the agents are going to have an opportunity to make a selection that appeals best to them, whether that's to stay where they are or to go forward with another team. And it's a very, very exciting time in free agency for us. Um, regarding Zamir White, 10 4 is where he's going. Farrell, yeah. the four running backs going in front of him are uh, Jalen Warren, DeAndre Swift, Raheem Mostert, and Chase Brown. They're going mm-hmm. ahead of uh, White at the four running backs after Zamir White, Zach Charbonnet, Roshan Johnson, Chuba Hubbard, and then the rookie Trey Benson out of Florida mm-hmm. State. Those are the four going after him. So, I, I mean, the, the thing is, this is why we love the Never Too Early tournament because oh, Jacobs yeah. could be a great value. White could, you know, could yeah. be a great value as well. And and if you are executing picks on those guys, you might be cashing a $25,000, $10,000 check here. Um, we have Andy Brown uh, warming up for us in the bullpen right now. He's going to come in shortly, talk a lot about Dynasty Fantasy Football, the 17-time FFPC champ. Uh, before we get to that, let, let's talk about T. Higgins here. Um, okay. Cincinnati Inquirer's Charlie Goldsmith said that the Bengals do not have any plans to trade T. Higgins. Duke Tobin, who's the director of player personnel for Cincinnati, uh, implies that the team does plan to keep Higgins on the roster after they tagged him this year. Um, he thought that, uh, uh, I mean, there were people that thought that Higgins could be a tag and trade guy, but it doesn't sound like that's what Cincinnati's going with. Now, you could read between the lines here and say that's just what they're saying to drum up some interest, maybe 
to, to improve a trade offer? I don't know. Um, but I look at T. Higgins now, a guy I drafted in, in the KFFSC early because I felt like, okay, look, he's either going to be the number one somewhere or he's going to be the number two for a Joe Burrow offense with Jamar Chase on the other side. I like that a lot. T. Higgins now, since this is this has uh, gone down, Wide receiver 28 at the 503. Farrell, I love that value for T. Higgins there. Do I love it too much? Yes. And especially if you're drafting in the FFPC. I don't love him in Kentucky. I don't love him in the FFPC. I, he's like the green eggs and ham of wide receivers for me. I, I don't I don't want <laughs> I don't want T. Higgins anywhere. I you know, there are good things you can say about him. He's been in the league, he catches a thousand yards every season, except last year when he missed time being hurt. Uh, but T. Higgins, to me, is how you build a broken heart in fantasy football. You, you, I can't get out of my mind. Uh, week one, eight targets, zero receptions at Cleveland. I think if you look at it, he had four games of two catches or less. He had one or two catches. He had one game of one catch. Uh, I just – last year was a difficult year for him. And I know we went through quarterback issues and quarterback changes there, but I think his thousand yard seasons are a product of an offense that throws the ball around that does not particularly rely on a pass catching tight end. I would like to see what this team does about tight end moving into the future. And then, um, you know, how many catches in 2022 for Higgins? Hasn't he always been about a 70 guy? Uh, because my point is we must have 11 in the FFPC, 11 or 12 tight ends that caught more than 70 balls last year. And they are going to likely exceed Higgins touchdown catches. I would gamble on most of them exceeding Higgins touchdown catches, even in a good year for Higgins. And that's more impressive uh, in a dual flex situation with the 1.5 points that Higgins will ever be in that league, but um, Higgins, not for me. Uh, and, and to your point, Farrell, he has, he has hit a thousand yards. He did not hit a thousand yards his rookie year, just over okay. 900. Um, and then obviously yeah, last year he didn't because of the injury, but your reception call 67 is rookie year, 74 in 2021 and 74 again in 2022. So, and, and I, and I, it makes sense given, you know, when you think about who's on the other side of the field, um, I look at it from the standpoint of, okay, so so Higgins is the number two, to, to your point, who's going around him. Well, the three guys going above him, Cooper Cup, who's had a lot of injury issues, Drake mm-hmm. London, who is going to have – I mean, this could be a good thing, a new head coach, a yeah. new offensive coordinator for him. And then Malik Neighbors, the, the, the mystery box, oh, really? going right ahead of Higgins. Higgins going ahead of Zay Flowers, Amari Cooper, Jaden Reed, and Calvin Ridley. So I can I can understand maybe I need to back off the Higgins thing a little bit more, but not much. I might let off the gas a little bit, Farrell, but I'm still zooming fast on driving that T. Higgins bandwagon. You know, let's downshift just one gear, Buck. One gear. I I can do one gear for you. Uh, Let's get into our uh, guest thoughts on T. Higgins and much more tonight. He has won a boatload of FFPC uh, drafts uh, leagues over the course of his career, but he's been really dominant in the dynasty field. 17 league titles so far. He's here tonight to tell us how we can all become better dynasty players and improve our dynasty Please welcome back onto the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Mr. Andy Brown. Andy, welcome and happy Wednesday to you. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Uh, thanks for having me back. Bulky, the beard is super impressive as always. And then Farrell, the hair. So I'm losing on both categories. Thanks for letting me round out and uh, making you guys look better and let me come back on. You know, I was on three years ago. That was when I hyped Kyle Pitts more than anybody. And that take lasted a year. Like any fantasy take, just wait long enough and they may go, they may go the other direction on you. But hopefully, uh, you know, you can have some better takes tonight. Okay. Well, a couple of things here regarding Kyle Pitts right away. You are not the only pe- person no. hyping up Kyle Pitts. There's plenty of people in there. I and maybe I maybe I wasn't driving that bandwagon, but I certainly was on board. Um, and I loved him. Zach Robinson is now the OC in Atlanta. He of the Sean McVay tree. Um, what's his impact gonna be? I, and we'll talk about Pitts here, but Drake London as well. I mean, this is all good news. The fact that Arthur Smith is out of there, um, and London and Pitts for Dynasty Man wheels up, right? I mean, you have to think so, right? I saw an interesting uh, tweet today from the NFL Players Association. Arthur Smith ranked 30th of 32 coaches last year. 
So I'm not super interested on Zach Robinson. It's got to be better than Arthur Smith, right? I mean, he he was just such a distraction, so energized about hate and fantasy. Like, you're a busy person. You're a millionaire. Why, why don't you just let those guys that you picked at the top of the draft in front of everybody else and let them play? And so the danger, though, of dynasty season right now is we're so close to the season that just ended and so far from the next season that a lot of analysts are copying and pasting stats from last year and putting them into 24. And that's a pretty lazy way to do it. But if you're looking at the Rams with Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua, everybody wants to copy and paste that onto Drake London and Bijan. And then, you know, there should be enough left for Pitts as well. So mm-hmm. I think uh, out of those two, Drake and Bijan have the most upside with Zach Robinson. And the the big debate is really just Zach Robinson can't throw the ball. So who's going to be the quarterback? Right. He can't be Heineke. It can't be, uh, you know, Desmond Ridden. Ritter. I saw a stat today, and I don't know if the books are just trying to get it balanced again, but they got Justin Fields minus 200. Okay, give me some of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, That would be a dream scenario. Justin Fields from the state of Georgia. Everybody's been trying to get him there for a while. In fact, Atlanta passed him, right, uh, to take pits that year. And, and I think uh, if something like that could happen, that's gonna what's going to maximize Zach Robinson's potential is, yes, he's shown he can take the play action, with a good offensive line, get the running back involved, and then still get a tough wide receiver, whether it's Cooper Cup or uh, Puka Nakua. So i really excited for Atlanta. Big question mark, though, in February. How you how, manage your investment without without knowing the quarterback? Mm. You know, I'm setting – last year I listened to all you great um, dynasty players, and I went out and adopted some of Balky's teams and uh, – Manage them to greatness. I think that's going to be my new team name, Balky. That you you said. That I like it earlier, but it did, it, it, and they're blessed. There's so much, there's so much fun to run, and I think we've got some interesting formats of how we're going to uh, dynasty draft forthcoming from the FFPC. That I don't know if I'll be adopting as many as I will be building from the ground up. So I want to ask you about a ground up player who I've never had a really good feel for, and that'll be second-year receiver Jackson Smith and Jiglin. Now, I, I I, listened more than talked about this player last year. I watched him as much as I could. Um, I don't know what we're dealing with here, but I think he might be a bargain uh, so much more in Dynasty than he is in redraft. Can you uh, shed a little bit of light? on a Seattle receiver form. Yeah, yeah, Farrell. So I was big into JSN last year, right? I This year I've cut down to 89 dynasty teams. So you got, I'm on a oh, diet. Man. It was over, over 100 last year. So I had to do what you just said. I had to orphan some. Honestly, I find that picking up the orphans is not my best strategy. I usually got to own them like the ground up, like you just said. And so if you're asking where my uh, money's at, I have a 25% share on JSN well, dynasty. That speaks volumes. Pretty, pretty aggressive, right? And so – I think his value has gone down in comparison to Puka, things like Puka, Puka Nakua. And so I've been a buyer and, um, you know, I've made a couple of trades this offseason. I'm glad we're getting the bad situations out of the way because Atlanta and Seattle, almost no more frustrating situations for fantasy owners than those two offenses, right? Every mm-hmm. once in a while, DK would have a game. But when, when you know, uh, Bobo would catch a touchdown or Colby Parkinson and JSN's <laughs> just hanging out, I'm like, I'm like, my red zone TV is at risk, right? Like, this is this is, this is frustrating. <laughs> well, you know, you've got a quarterback in in Geno Smith who's learned for a lot of years to play quarterbacks, and that's what you're going to have when you have a quarterback that goes through the progressions. He's throwing to his fourth and fifth uh, option, and uh, yeah. he's making it work. And that's some of the problems that you can get into when you've got a, a capable, although in this case. Uh, back up to starter, but now he's won that position and he's he's seen a lot of football and he's he's playing it the way that it's supposed to be played. And yeah, that's how your Bobo gets his touchdown. Yeah, I mean fair, I'll just give you some market values because February is a really good time to try to assess your market yeah. values. What, what am I doing for JSM, a trade I just pulled off a few days ago? I gave up a minor St. Barnum. Great fantasy asset, top five dynasty wide receiver. Wow. To get to get JSN a 25 first and and a, sorry, and a 25 second. Um, that was one. Another one, I gave up AJ Brown, got JSN a 105 this year and a third. So I'm normally a buyer. I, I had one sell, and the guy I had, I told him, like, You're gonna have to keep paying up. I sold JSN, and this is in Superflex for 225 first 
Michael Wilson and a 405. That, that's what it took me to give up JSN. And so at least he has a healthy market on both sides. There's buyers and sellers. And, you know, in February, this is where a lot of the aging players value tends to crater. You have to be careful of that. You don't want to sell too low or you're trying to get out of the way. And the young guys are on the rise. So I, I hope I don't know about Geno Smith. So that's why I think there's still room to be on both sides of the equation, because mm -hmm. who knows how it's going to shake out. But again, mm -hmm. they're bringing in a great coordinator from Washington. He ran three wide receiver sets. And Pete Carroll ran three tight end sets. So just on that alone, I don't have to dig very deep. I like it already for JSN's usage. Very when, good point. Andy, you mentioned that that now is the time to be careful that you're not shipping off veterans at too low of a price. Do you find yourself taking advantage of other dynasty players doing that right now? Um, I We could stick in Seattle, uh, like Tyler Lockett. I always bring up Heinz Ward as a guy that I was ready to, to just, just dump and, and give for pennies on the dollar, but I hung on to him and he had this great late career surge. Um, are there other veterans like that, that you're actually looking like, okay, I can probably snare this guy right now because people are all focused on the draft, the rookies, the second year players. Is this a tactic that you've employed at all in your dynasty leagues? I, I, on FFPC, Balky in particular, that's a very crowded trade. Everybody's trying to do the same thing. You okay. cannot sell Austin Eckler right now. This is RB1 two years ago. Good luck getting much from a third round pick from him. And, and for those are the ones that are active. You also have some people that kind of go dormant right now. They're going to sleep a little bit closer until the cut deadline on 31 March. I tried to sleep like a day after Super Bowl, and I'm already back in it. So here, so here we are. Mm -hmm. That didn't last long. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not terrible trade season. You know, I wake up in the morning and usually have about five or six waiting on me. And four of them are probably going to be insta rejects, you know, trying to give me Tyler Lockett's. And with the cut going to 16, it's just so important to consolidate right now. You want to have those premium assets and you want to get after those. And then you can move them later. There's not a game for eight months. You know what I mean? We're not trying to set a lineup for three September on uh, leap day Eve. Here we are. Right. And so. <laughs> um, you mentioned in one of those uh, JSN trades, Michael Wilson was incorporated in that. And Michael Wilson was a guy that I don't think uh, he's not a pedigree guy. I don't think a lot of people valued him super high, but. I think he was rostered quite a bit throughout the season, and he's probably still on a lot of rosters. If the Cardinals end up taking Marvin Harrison Jr., that could really crater Wilson's value. Now, Wilson's value right now, we know, I believe Marquise Brown is a free agent, right? So the Cardinals don't have a lot of like concrete solutions at wide receiver, but I would like to think that they figure Michael Wilson figures into their future. Is Wilson a guy that you um, are of the belief, look, if it's not Harrison, if it's not bringing Brown back, they're going to bring somebody there? and Wilson's not a, a high priority for me to keep around. Um, what do you yeah. do with him right now? Is, is he a guy that you'd look to acquire, look to get rid of? Yeah, so I, I bought a lot of Michael Wilson last year in the drafts. By a lot, I mean he's my most owned receiver tied with Drake London at 32%. And so um, I'm, I'm not a buyer because I feel like I already have enough. His, his value right now in trades you're seeing in other leagues is around a fourth-round rookie pick, which is he was going earlier than that last year. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that's hard at that 16 cut line for me to aggressively get as I want to make more room for some of those other players that I think are going to hold value. I think you can pick him up in some rookie drafts and then what I'm really doing. And so after the Super Bowl, almost every weekend, I was sending upwards of 30 offers at a time to buy the one-on-one and non-super flex because I want Marvin Harrison Jr. And everyone's <laughs> sending him to the Cardinals. I, I get a little nervous about that because most of my highlights, I think back at D hop with uh, Kyler Murray, he's super stretched out he, and he's trying really aggressively. I, I don't know about Kyler Murray's accuracy stats. I try to find some advanced stats. He's in the 29s and thirties at times. And so um, can Marvin Harrison overcome that? Yeah. And, and so the beauty of Marvin Harrison is the high state quarterback this year was not great. And it, it, it's always going to be a step down from CJ Stroud. And so last year, the guy I was most aggressive in Dynasty buying in Superflex was C.J. Stroud, my, mo my most owned player. Paid off now. You can say I just traded him two days ago for Justin Jefferson straight up. And that's how far he's come up when he was in 104, 105 position in the rookie draft last year. So I was yeah. letting people take Anthony Richardson, take Bijan, and, and then the other guy, Bryce Young. This guy, Bryce Young was at the 103. Nobody would do that again. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of jumped around on you right now. But I, I, I have – had an offer that involved CD Lamb to get Marvin Harrison. I've had an offer. I've sold DK Metcalf to get Marvin Harrison. And I just think the sky's the limit because uh, he's not going to run in the combine. So he's going to get less headlines. 
And the uh, high state quarterback this year just was not very good. I mean, he had to go to Syracuse for goodness sakes. <laughs> and so people, people are trying to make these excuses on like, try, they're trying, Molly Knobbers, because everybody has to have a take online. Oh, Molly Knobbers is right after Marvin Harrison. I'm a huge Buckeye fan. I'll put my bias out there. I've watched more hours than Ohio State, which is why I was in on Stroud last year. And I couldn't be more in a Marvin Harrison. Hopefully not everybody watches that because, again, I'm sending 30 offers a weekend to try to get them. So I expect I, I to have a lot of Marvin Harrison shares in the fall. Yeah, <laughs> I think everyone's there, you know, in, in Kentucky. Uh, and, and full disclosure, our drafter was from Ohio. But uh, <laughs> in our redraft leagues, Marvin Harrison was going in the first round. Right. And uh, that redraft, that sort of blew, not dynasty, redraft. That's, wow. redraft. Yeah, that sort of blew my mind. But you know, the the drafter was from Ohio, and he went and got his guy, uh, Dominic, yeah. uh, who always has great input. And and I'm sure Andy that you heard our conversation about Higgins, and I'd like to get your opinion about that. It, as we shift to dynasty, what I would talk about with Higgins is the fact you know Balky's gone through his career mostly a thousand yard receiver, mostly a 70 catch receiver, middle range, five, six touchdowns, but he'll be going into his fifth year and he just turned 25 years old. And I'm curious how often you look at a player's uh, age when you make a decision, especially if they have a young age and, and good production uh, to boot, and then you you had to listen to us talk about Higgins, and I feel I'm in the minority here. I think his his being tagged is a um, uh, validation of what this team wants to do. Everything they can to make Burrow a success. So quickly, Higgins as he stands in in Dynasty. Yeah, Higgins. So, I mean, to your point about age, Farrell, it's it's February. So there's hardly a time where age matters more. Age matters less in September and October, and you're trying to make those pushes. That's when you're that's when you can acquire the Tyler Lockets and help you get through the playoffs. And no, gotcha. it's really just a rental because the FFPC uh, structure, like most, first place is worth a lot more than second place. Mm-hmm. And and you can I've had a few, you know, quite a few teams that just run through the regular season and then finish second. And you just feel a little let down. You left some money on the table. Um, and so then you're buying guys. One of the guys I bought last year at the deadline was Deontay Johnson. Didn't, didn't pay off, but that was the thought process behind it. Uh, I like T. I, I just think that Jamar Chase is the guy you try to go to now because the, the, the rosters are so small, like 16. You got to keep a kicker. You got to keep a defense. And, and T's right on that edge. So T's a guy that, though, still has value. I've used him as a pot sweetener. I, I just got a trade that came in 20 minutes ago. I would almost be interested in your opinion on that because I think it's hard and it involves T. Higgins. Would you? Well, yeah. Can I yes, bring that so up? Or, let's yeah. See, let's okay. hear it. So yeah. s- this is a super flex trade. They're asking from me, or asking, they're providing, uh, they're going to give me T. Higgins, Deshaun Watson, the 102, the 207, and a 25 first and a 25 second. So pretty, pretty big deal, pretty complex. What they're asking back is Kyler Murray, guy I talked to you about. I'm not necessarily sure about his accuracy, but Marvin Harrison can change that. Drake London and the 101. And so I moved down a spot, which is kind of appealing to me because I, I don't know if I'm into Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is Trevor Lawrence to where he's the next great quarterback. Everybody takes a one-on-one. And now Trevor Lawrence is down at QB 13, QB 14, even in Dynasty. So fast, you know. Um, and so that may have been a, a lot to chew on, but what do you think I should do there? Well, my, my initial thought is, okay, so you moved down one spot. I am not I, – I know there's plenty of people sold on Caleb Williams. I still have some misgivings uh, about him as well. So if you're going to drop down to the 102 and you get Jaden Daniels or, or Drake May there, totally fine with that. Now, um, the other thing here um, is that 2025 first. I know we're a ways off uh, from the 2025 draft. i got to love this. 2024 draft doesn't even happen with 2025. Um, but a 2025 pick – like, you don't know where that's going to be. And I know that people yeah. are already talking, the pundits out there are already talking that it's not a quarterback-rich draft in 2025. So um, this kind of comes down to, like, I think, how you feel about Caleb Williams. I know you like Drake London. Um, and and I, I don't want to say he's, like, sort of the mystery box here, but we don't know how he is going to be operating with this new offense, with this new OC, yeah. with this new head coach. Now, you made the point earlier – 
Can't be any worse than it was recently with our third fifth. So I'm kind of intrigued by this deal. I know you're giving up a lot. Um, and, and, and Kyler Murray is another guy too. Like, I don't know, maybe you guys don't think this, this is anything. I thought that was kind of interesting that was it the GM in Arizona or somebody came out and said somebody like high up in the organization said Kyle Murray or Kyler Murray is our long-term answer at quarterback, which is like, kind of like, well, yeah, I kind of thought he was. Why are you coming out and actually feeling the need to say this out loud? Unless you're not totally sure that he's your long-term uh, answer at quarterback, and then he could go somewhere else, and his his value uh, could could crater or take take a notch down. A lot of things to consider here, but I kind of yeah. like what you're getting back in this trade here, uh, Andy. I yeah, I have I, a quicker I, I, answer for you, Andy. Sorry, uh, uh, I would I suggest that you tell him to listen to Balky and go to the page. Uh, you reject the trade. And you say, listen to Balky, go to the page and adopt a team because you're not interested in adopting his. And that, that's <laughs> kind of what I would tell that guy. And then I would, I, would, I would move on. But let's move on from receivers. We talked a lot about receivers. Tell, here's another player. You know, I'm picking players that I skip over to my own detriment sometime. But right up the road here from Louisville, Kentucky, we have uh, – Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, and I rarely draft him. And I always find something that I like better in the neighborhood. So there's, you know, some of the top 24 players I never consider because the guy in front of them, the right behind them, means much, much more to me. Your thoughts on Taylor, um, Dynasty and Redraft? Yeah, so I think uh, Dynasty's, man, he these running backs, though, they're – they're the hardest to kind of capture and understand in February and then have the highest upside. Right. And so mm -hmm. just two, three years ago, Jonathan Taylor and one quarterback is the one Oh one. He replaced CMC. Everybody's in on him. He gets some injuries, gets the holdout, never plays with Anthony Richardson last year. So it's, it's a lot of questions there. Um, and the value wise, what I'm seeing in dynasty trades is that it, He's not moving the needle in it either way. Nobody's really buying. Nobody's really selling. I've tried to offer him up on trades a little bit to kind of go to more stable assets. And I think in February, wide receivers in 2024, not dissimilar to 2023, are more stable assets. And so mm. I'm looking to kind of do some of that. Now, that being said, I, the guy in a similar situation that you could see this fall, I bought a lot of last year was Brees Hall. And then in September, you could well, – so many analysts were – regretting how much Brees Hall they had. They're like, oh, I missed the sell window. I can't get rid of Brees. I'm stuck with him. And now he's back in RB1, 2, or 3, depending on who you're talking to. And, and so that's the trajectory JT could have. I, I'm not betting that it's likely, but it's possible. And so if you're making a case for JT, you got to hope for that. And then there's just the, always the question of how many touchdowns does Anthony Richardson take if he's healthy? And that is a significant risk that Brees mm. doesn't have. Aaron Rodgers isn't taking any of those touchdowns. You, just hope, you hope he can make it through the first drive, right? Um, and and so that's the the thing that I think I would want more information on JT. And if he, he starts the season strong, then I think he could start to be a buyer. I, I just personally am not a big buyer right now at this time. I want to flip back just real briefly to, to wide receiver here because, Andy, you talked about how much Ohio State football that you have watched. And Ohio State has been a talent-rich place for wide receivers in the NFL. I and mean, you could go back to 2016 with Michael Thomas. And, and there's been a ton of guys since then, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell, and then the big, the two big guys in 2022 and Garrett Wilson and uh, Chris Olave. And then obviously JSN last year, Marvin Harrison, better than all of them. Is he the best that you've seen among all those Ohio state receivers? I just rattled off. Yeah, he's the best. And, and for, and it's, I mean, it, it's really hard because all those guys have done a lot of talent in the NFL I said the same thing about C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud was the best Ohio State quarterback I've ever seen. Uh, not to date myself and watching Ohio State pretty aggressively for, you know, 30 years. Um, and um, in Marvin Harrison, it, again, the good news for dynasty owners, bad news for Buckeye fans is you had Kyle McCord at quarterback this year. Yep. If C.J. Stroud would have came back for another year, you could argue that he was going one and two, right, right next to each other um, because he just makes the quarterback so much better. Um, he's got more size than any of those previous Ohio State receivers, just as much speed. He's got the pedigree. He route runs. The only thing that's going to hold – the only thing that could even come close to holding him back is injuries, like any player, 
and then, you know, a bad situation. So my biggest fear, the Patriots, like there's some mocks out there with him going to New England and they have so many problems. I don't know how you get the Marvin Harrison at number three. Um, and then, but if that happens, then I, I, I don't know. I'll regret a little bit of the life aggressiveness. On <laughs> you know, and, and, and the other thing to keep in mind too, and I know Bill Belichick's not there anymore, but they haven't exactly been great with first round receivers um, in the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever it's been. So not to put that, put that evil on him, Ricky Bobby, but you don't want that, that Patriot stank <laughs> on Marvin Harrison. Okay. Getting back. Yeah. To the dream, college. the dream bulky is that. I know there's questions about Herb Harbaugh and, and the Chargers, but there's no questions about Justin Herbert. And if you do that, if that happens, then the Marvison Harrison first round, 112 may even go higher. As crazy as that sounds. Luckily, in FFPC redraft, that's not the price. You can still get right. them you know, late second, early third in those early best ball tournaments, and I, I like that value there. Yeah, um, wide receiver 13 at the 303 in the never-too-early best ball tournament right now with uh, Harrison going behind fellow Ohio State receiver Chris Olave. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you. Well, actually, let's go to Dom Gazzetti's question here in, in, in the chat before we get back to Brees Hall. He wants to know, would you put Marvin Harrison Jr. in his own tier, or are Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze in the same tier, or are, are they super close? Like, how far – well, number one is Harrison, your number one receiver in the draft. And then number two, what's the distance between him and guys like Odunze, guys like neighbors? So Harrison's my number one, but quite frankly, I have some work to do. And over the years, my ratio, my ratio of Ohio State games versus other college games has expanded exponentially. Like yeah. I spend so much time watching on Sundays now. I pretty much stick to Saturday Ohio State games. And I got to listen to some other analysts. I didn't watch LSU play at all this year. Mm -hmm. I heard a lot of great things from Nobbers. I watched Adunze a little bit. I think he's clearly the wide receiver three. Um, but again, just because it, you're in this take world, everybody has to have a different take. Mm -hmm. Nobbers is getting talked up because he's a little bit different. And so mm -hmm. me personally, I'm happy about that. The more I can get Marvin Harrison's value to come down and people to debate that, please keep doing that. Because right. somebody out there is going to take Nobbers at 101 in a one quarterback super flex. And I'm going to be begging for the 102. And last year, the one of the biggest regrets in a, in a big, you know, 2500 uh, super flex league I was in, I JSN went 105, and 106 Stroud was still there. And I'm looking at your dynasty buys list, and here's a is a pretty popular player. He's up there at number two now. I'm glad you guys didn't track that for me a few years ago. <laughs> but Joe Van Gogh, Joe Van Gogh has got the 106, and I'm trying to buy it by Stroud because I have no quarterbacks. And he's not selling for nothing. He wanted more than the 101 uh, to get the pick. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and you know, bad for me, good for him um, on that notion. So for me, yeah, Harrison, tier of his own, all the way by himself. And I'll, I'll let the narratives kind of fight that just to entertain people for the next few months. I'm, oh. trying get, I'm trying to get Joe Van Gogh back on the show. So if we do have, <laughs> make that happen, we will explore this for sure. Uh, Andy, um, Has Joe got bulky representation, not bulky representation? No, I, I, I don't know. know. He's adopted, Farrell, on your end, he's adopted 43 dynasty orphans on the counter on FNPC. So he's okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he's busy. Yeah. There, there could be a family show up on his front porch that he adopted. And it's hard. And the reason why he can the reason why I ask you guys that. Actually, that trade question is: I got eighty-nine teams and zero co-owners, and oh, uh, so for once, I, I was hoping uh, I'm a party of one. That's why I had to dial down a little bit. Um, you don't want to so, discuss your moves with your co-owners. Yeah, right. Well, I also have no one to blame. I can't look at anybody else. It's, yes, it's just me. You, you guys, um, well, Balky and I hit on something last year. We said, and then that the Alvin Kamara suspension time was a little overblown. We didn't think it would be that uh, that difficult for Kamara to see the field, and he, it it, it didn't hurt that much. Uh, he was back on the field, and then long before uh, bye weeks rolled along. Now, you guys keep talking about these wonderful new players coming in the league, and I want to talk about aging running backs. And here, here's a guy you know in the eighth year of his career, and I had to double check because I've. On the show before, I've always said that he's going to catch 80 balls, and he caught 75 last year in, in less than a full season. When it gets down to what you've said about the other players, about acquiring bargains, is where does Kamara fit in a, in a new dynasty draft, in the virgin sale of a dynasty uh, league, 
And where is he now uh, for for the existing teams? Could he could he actually not even make the cut line on on some of the better teams? And and just yeah, so- piggy, just real quick, Andy, to piggyback off that, you said it, it's difficult to get uh, even a third round pick for Eckler, which would make me think like, oh my God, Kamara should be yeah. like a free square right now in Dynasty. Yeah, exactly. Well, he arguably Kamara had a better season than Eckler last year, so he's getting more value in trades. But he's in a weird spot too of like you can't really get a second for him. He is kind of on your cut line. So I I'm low. I've got nine percent ownership in Dynasty on Alvin Kamara. I'm holding as much as I can, but I'm not buying unless I can get like a 305, 306, because I think he could be the quintessential quintessential case of great 23 season, not great 24 season. And so I'm not buying for last year. I'm buying for next year. And we we don't even know if he's going to be in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so he's one of those few guys that in this lull between the Super Bowl and free agency, this people may regret not buying if he lands on the right team. But with so many free agent running backs, with Saquon and Eckler and all these things, um, you may have a good sell opportunity. That's usually what happens in the middle of March. People get signed and they're like, oh, they paid him like, like Jamal Williams last year. Goes to New Orleans, gets $4 million a year. Everyone's like, if he's got a, you know, they bought him for a reason. And and come to find out, we don't know what that reason was today. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's very true. Very um, true. Let's move on and, and talk about tight ends. We have not talked much tight ends here. Trey no. McBride, um, as and I don't know if you make your own uh, um, dynasty rankings at all, Andy, went to, to use as a rubric in trades. But when you think about yeah. Trey McBride, how many dynasty, how many tight ends above McBride uh, do you currently have right now? Is he number one? Is he number three? Is he in your top five? Where do you have him? Well, first, can we just celebrate Trey McBride? Absolutely. This is a guy that you could get in the 208 in Dynasty Startups. And last year he was free. In redraft, you could get him in the 18th, 19th round. And now people are asking how far up the rankings he is, which is a great conversation. And he was amazing out of college. And unlike Pitts, who hit right away and then had some injuries, McBride took a little bit of time. Zach Ertz had to get out of the way. And I'm, I'm probably very aggressive on what I have right now. But there's one person ahead of him, and that's Sam Laporta. And that's it. that's it. Now, he's probably in a cluster. I think he's in a cluster with Mark Andrews, with Dalton Kincaid, those three, and then Kyle Pitts knocking on the door. And Kyle Pitts has the ability to rock it all the way up to number one. And so that's the other question you're asking yourself is, if you have them here today, where could they, what's their range of outcomes? How far could they fall? How far could they rise? And the good thing about Trey McBride is he's young. He doesn't have a lot of target competition. So even if you paid up for him, I like that bid. Because he's got a great relationship with Kyler Murray. To your point, they're paying Kyler Murray 40, year, 40 million a year. And so I think that continues on. And I think Michael Wilson is ultimately the bill player, bill payer in any growth in Arizona. You asked about him earlier. I think McBride's going to be the number two, no matter what happens to Marquise Brown. If they draft a wide receiver like Marvin Harrison, he's number one. And McBride has a little, a lot of help there. So that's where I have him on Dynasty, which is, you, you couldn't imagine saying that five months ago. Mm. We like him here. We, you know, I like Luke Musgrave. I'm a big Musgrave guy last year. I put him in the same mix with McBride, expecting perhaps similar things. I am all tuckered out with Balky. Balky wants to talk. Mm. Tucker, Tucker, Tucker. That's all yeah. he wants to talk. Tuck, Tucker Kraft is Balky's guy. And, and right. you know, I try to say Balky, Tucker Kraft contributed when you, you can you, can you, Give us a little clarity on this. Before you answer, Andy, just to clarify my feelings on, on Kraft versus Musgrave. I believe that Musgrave is the born dynamic threat down the field at this point. I do believe he is the more explosive playmaker. However, he struggled to stay on the field in college. And I know it was it was just basically one big injury that, that kept him out his last mm-hmm. year. But this past year, he missed a lot of time. Now, one of them, it was like a, a kidney laceration or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often that comes up. I don't think that's a repeatable injury. Um, but when Kraft was in there and Musgrave wasn't, this is why I like him for fantasy. Kraft, for whatever reason, got a lot of stuff over the middle um, rather than mm-hmm. doing those seam routes that Musgrave was running. So mm-hmm. for fantasy, I almost wonder if Kraft is more valuable. The Packers utilized the second round pick on Musgrave, a third round pick on Kraft. There was plenty of people, and, and I'll let you answer this. There's plenty of people that said, despite that, Kraft is the Packers tight end you want to own in Green Bay. How do you feel about these two players? 
Yeah, well, you make it hard. You made it personal. I have to pick between Farrell and Dalkey, right? No, no, no. Now Andy is tuckered out. You you, you uh, say yeah. you like both players, and then you build this rosy picture. <laughs> you talk about how uh, Musgrave is moving around on two crutches and an electric wheelchair. And, yeah. and, and you know, well, it's just fantastic. Yeah. So, so, so the short version is prior to last season, I like Kraft better. I like his price better. I'm with you, Bulky, on the assessment last year. Um, but what does that mean now as you bring it forward? What it means now is that I, I don't think you can go after either Green Bay tight end. The mm. money to be made in Green Bay is at wide receiver. Yep. And it is gonna you got you gotta make a bet on Jaden Reed or Christian Watson. That's where the deep money is. Jordan Love wants to throw deep. He's gonna throw some underneath routes. And right now I've been kind of aggressive in Christian Watson. In fact, I just made a trade like an hour ago. I didn't ask for it. It came to me. And Farrell, you may not like it because it's an aging player, but Cooper Cup for Christian Watson. No, oh, it's and, an and easy that trade. No quick. Yeah. How did you hurt yourself? trying to hit accept there did you, well, you know, did you throw uh, well, anything if i out? told you i accepted it while driving is that fair there you go <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta take that all day long god uh, bless I, love it. I, I think it's a great i think it's a great call I, I i think that's fantastic and you know what's fantastic about green bay is there's so many brian gutekunst was actually speaking at the scouting combine and he said he doesn't really view like he doesn't look at receivers in terms of who's the number one or whatever um but if you ever were going to get watson bear in mind that of the Packers' core right now, uh, of, of the top four receivers, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, and um, Dontavian Wicks, Watson carries the highest draft pedigree. Uh, he was the guy that, that they picked earlier than any of the other guys. And he was a guy that has – uh, he's already said that, that, they, that he has spent tens of thousands of dollars of his own money to try to figure out these soft tissue injuries. And Green Bay fired their strength and conditioning coach who's mm. been there since, like, the Nixon administration – and they brought in a guy, and I forget what his name is, but they brought him. He was the assistant strength and conditioning guy in San Francisco, who, by the way, has kept Christian McCaffrey on the field or helped keep Christian McCaffrey on the field the last couple of years, ever since that trade from Carolina, like pretty much every single game so far, mm -hmm. despite that heavy workload. So I think it's wheels wow. up for Watson. And my God, you get a trade offer like that, slam it every single time. Mm. Holy cow. Right. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, and I didn't even have some of that data. So that really appreciate you helping me with that. And I think, again, because he's his range of outcomes is, to your question earlier, he could go past T. Higgins in value. And he was before mm. the season, and then he fell back down. And so now it's I, I think it's the, the ground to explore the most is the rookies are – astronomical in price the veterans are coming down in price it's the folks in between and that's what christian watson is to me mm. it's people that maybe invested high they're frustrated they just want to get something out of them and i'm, I'm picking up some christian watson's i think when jordan love gets more comfortable which he got comfortable really late in the season i mean that that playoff win in dallas it, it, talk about another guy who went up extreme amount of value i mean I, I got trade offers right after that game straight up jordan love for dak prescott i didn't know what to do with that i stared at him right. for three days and uh, and then they they withdrew it. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to give up Jordan Love now. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is it, wild. It's, it's, it's wild. It's wild to think about. Um, I want to get into sort of the the dynasty philosophy of of playing in the FFPC, um, specifically the cut down, which is going to happen at the end of next month. You have to cut down to 16 players. But Andy, I think that the big thing is here, not that you have to cut down to 16 players. Every person in your league has to cut down. To 16 players and it's difficult when everybody's trying to get that elite talent and trying to stockpile all those guys so the cut down is easy it's not always an easy thing to do because everybody's trying to do the same thing as you how do you sort of manage that what's what's how do you it's a balancing act how do you make sure that you're not cutting value that you want to keep on your roster and and make sure you are as elite as possible prior to cut down yeah it's it, it's there's a lot of gamesmanship there bulky and it's hard it's 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 work like waivers, but a lot more fun. And so you're I like to keep my teams if I can around 18 right now. There's a lot of owners that are going to keep their teams at 24, 25, and they're going to spam me in, on 24 March trying to sell me all their cut players for six round picks. And I'll and I'll have to like unplug my phone for a while. Um, but but the, the, the biggest ones that I think are the challenge are the teams. You know, the greatest thing about Dynasty and FFPC format is that you have flexibility to make up for mistakes. You don't have that in redraft. You know, yes, you can get lucky with Puka and Kyron Williams off the waiver wire, but those are moonshots. You know, yes, you, if you worked hard, you can get a waiver. Um, but I find the rosters that I accrue wealth over time and have players that should not be cut. 
they're probably second round values, but other owners will sit there and brinksmanship with you and, and not make you a trade. And then you're like, am I really going to cut this person? Mm -hmm. And that man, that is what makes FFPC tough, especially in this time of year is that that's what, and that's why I start early because I have a, a handful of those teams, thankfully, right? You invest in them over time. You accrue the Bijans, the Jameer Gibbs, but you still want to keep Camaro. How do you do that? And I think it's just with a lot of work and a lot of, and a lot of press and, and sending trades now before the inboxes start to overflow with offers. That, that's kind of what I'm doing and trying to be, be like, like most things, take it a little bit at a time. So on March 30th, um, you know, Dave's not sending me a note saying I got 20 teams over the limit and uh, fix yourself. <laughs> he always, he always like that. That's like, before he sends that email, he's like, he's like, Falk, you'll never believe how many teams that still have to cut down here. I'm sending out another email for them. I'm like, yeah, we're getting here. Like, let's get that list together. and We'll send out that email, man. Um, which, you know, it's, it's part of dynasty. And another part of dynasty is, and Farrell, you can understand this as a guy who didn't play dynasty a handful of year, uh, year, years ago. Now you have more than one team and you're becoming a volume player like Andy is. No, not like Andy is, but well, uh, maybe not the, to that level, but yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. Um, it always starts with one, Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to fall, but it's, it's thrilling to go in there and adopt some teams that uh, for some reason nobody wanted and it has some issues and then hit on a few uh, things in the draft. And like you said, I look, we've going through a lot of players here and I, I really love the way I can tell that you, I can tell that you love football and I really like yeah. the way that you consume it and intelligently give us the information and know you that the three years cannot pass until you, come back on the show we, we've got, we've got ahead and it um, I have just a couple quick questions so all these fantasy all these dynasty teams how many redraft teams yeah so well I've only I think I've I got seven best balls right now I, I ran mm -hmm. about 30 30 redraft teams last year I, I just it. find the dynasty format better for me mm -hmm. um, you, you got to grind a lot harder on the waiver wires and I think this year, I say this every year, but I think I'm going to cut back on redraft and, and invest in some startups. And so orphans are okay, but if you can get in a startup with an eight hour clock and you can make some trades, I mean, that's the most engaging time of a dynasty team ever. And that's the challenge with, for me, is, yeah. uh, that's why I had to give up some orphans this year because I know I'm going to buy some startups. It, it's just going to happen. I can't resist. In yes. April, when FFPC opens up the drafts before the NFL draft, like it, that is like, Right next that's, to the Super Bowl. That's yeah, the golden so. time. All right. Well, listen, yeah. we ask it to everybody. I'll ask it to you because we're, we're running out of time. We've talked about a lot of good players tonight, and I think you can find value in all players. But I would like you to tell us some guy that you just will not have on your team. And I'd like to understand it as a combination of age, talent, injury, or just replacement value that you, for instance, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. So, you know, are all your number two quarterbacks going to be young guys and that kind of thing? And then somebody that you just, you, you've already tipped us the fact that you want Harrison everywhere you can get him and who doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else in the rookie world that you've seen that you really like. Yeah, that's, that's great. So, I think one of the hardest parts, Farrell, is again, I already outed myself, 89 teams. People ask me when they're like, oh, do you, do you, did you do well in fantasy football? I'm like, yeah, and I did bad. Like, you, you know, mm -hmm. you just got too many teams. You can't have that much concentration. And so somebody gets a touchdown, that means I won this game and I lost this game. Yep. And uh, and so it's to your point, yeah, lots of value. I, I'm not necessarily thinking about guys I won't have right now, um, but, but guys not in the rookie draft that I'm kind of buying in the bargain bin, I'm surprised. And I'm making bets on Deshaun Watson down at QB 20. You know, he may stay at QB 20, but if he comes back, that's a good bet. Um, I think Devin A-Chain has a high price. I'm still buying him. Mm -hmm. And then kind of a sleeper, two sleepers, to your question about running back rejeff, the guys I like the most right now are Javante Williams and Roshan Johnson. Mm -hmm. And so those guys that may not have better seasons, but they don't have the age challenges that Camara does. Yeah. And, and you could also have some upside in Chicago. Um, the one guy I'm never buying right now at price is Kyron Williams. I, I just can't yeah. figure him out. Like four, six, mm -hmm. 40. I watch him. I see him score. And every time I'm like scratching my eyes, I'm like, 
how did he just do that? Like, mm -hmm. what happened? Was it scheme or whatever? And because I can't make sense of it, I just can't buy him. People are asking for 102, 103 rookie picks for him. And then some. And yeah. and good for them that they have them. I got a few shares of Kyron Williams, um, but not a lot. And he won people a lot of money last year. And so, yeah. again, we're, we're much closer to the Kyron Williams big win year, but we may be staring down the Kyron Williams cliff year. Mm. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I, th I just think it's wild what the Rams were able to do, not only with Kyron Williams last year, but Puka Nakua as well, a guy who was just an afterthought, right, and and came on to be the, the best rookie receiver and broke numerous rookie receiver records. Um, what's real, what's not real? We, we will find out as the 2024 season unfolds. But before we get there, we have rookie drafts. We have the combine this week. We have so much stuff going on in Dynasty Fantasy Football, and I hope you're a little bit smarter after listening to the 17-time FFPC Dynasty League champion, Andy Brown, making his return, triumphant return, by the way, to the high-stakes fantasy football hour. Andy, enjoy uh, all the trades and everything you're doing right now, the trade offers, um, and uh, good luck with cutdowns and good luck this season as well, man. We hope to have you on again uh, the show real soon. Thank you so much for being a part of our Wednesday night episode. Yeah, thanks. Farrell, one, one last buy for you before I, before I sign off. On the aging players. Tyreek is a very good value in Dynasty right now. Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. Huge, massive year, but soft prices. So there you go. Get him. Get him. I appreciate get you guys having me on. Thank you, Andy. Be good, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Le leaving us with the Tyreek Hill uh, news. Uh, and Tyreek yeah, Hill, by the way, in the news. Br breaking a leg of some YouTube influencer and now he's being sued for it. I got I to gotta sink my teeth into that and figure out what's going on there. Uh, okay. Now is the time, three, two, one, exhale, because that was awesome. That was uh, great. I learned so much, fast-paced, entertaining, informative. I, I thought it was great. Andy Brown's truly uh, one of the best dynasty players in the FFPC. He's got 17 titles to his name. Um, we could have done another hour with him. Unfortunately, as you pointed out, Farrell, we have run out of time. So what we will do is uh, the emails that we have this week, we'll get to them. We'll try to get to them next Friday when we do our when our show returns on Friday. Um, and enjoy the scouting combine, man. I know it's busy, but I know you love it. Uh, doing some work there, rubbing elbows, and and uh, and and getting some get making that money, which is always good. And anything you want to share with me from what you saw from the scouting combine, I am more than willing to listen, my friend. Enjoy well, it. We, we yeah. will talk. go ahead. I was there today. I'll be there right. all day tomorrow. I leave at 6 a.m. in the morning, so I ought to start now. But uh, the, yeah, just running into a lot of people that uh, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing in years, names that would be familiar with, some over the years, some more recent. It's, it's seeing players that I recruited and, and knew that were going through this process 20 years ago that are now in front offices, uh, scouting, making decisions, coaching. It's just been, it, it, was, it was a pretty exciting time. And I found myself today, I had a couple of meetings scheduled and uh, I had to, to watch the clock to, to make sure I was on time because I was sitting around, you know, going down memory lane with everybody. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, time uh, moves very, very quickly. So that it's, uh, it, it's, it's a fantastic thing. It's Indianapolis. It's 25 degrees. This is what it should be in Indianapolis with so many cold and, and windy days and the guys from the West Coast bitch and moan and complain. And then the restaurants at night are just full of everybody. And you don't know who will be standing next to you ordering a bourbon. And uh, it's, it's just it's a great thing to be involved with and to be around. Yeah, well, listen, nothing warms you up on a 25-degree Indianapolis night like some Kentucky bourbon. And and you can uh, enjoy one of those uh, famous shrimp cocktails at St. Elmo's, too. Oh, uh, yeah, St. Elmo's. You can't get a table there this week. It's very difficult. Yeah, Somebody's got to invite you. I yeah. have a I have a, a guy who works in um, uh, a local uh, – well, not local. He's in the Milwaukee market. But he said um, – he went. he's at the Combine this week broadcasting a show there, and he said he was taken to some sort of cellar at St. Elmo's because they mm -hmm. just didn't have seating in like yeah. the main dining area. And that's where he went. He thought something bad was going to happen, but <laughs> nothing happened uh, bad. Uh, it was an excellent meal. He said it was fantastic. So I wish you good luck. I wish you to have a great time and uh, we will do this again. Uh, not next Wednesday, but we will be back on our Friday schedule next week, man. Thank you. See so you much. then brother.
You got it. That's Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at kffsc.com, at J. Farrell Elliott on the X, and of course, at KFFSC official on the X. As a reminder, well, number one, I want to thank Andy Brown, Farrell Elliott, uh, the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you for watching, streaming, downloading uh, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, the show, as I mentioned, will return next Friday, 10, uh, 10, 9 central. No show this Friday, but we will be live at 10 p.m. Eastern time next Friday with the Superflex 2023 Superflex Best Ball Tournament number three, seventh place finisher, Eric Hove. He will be our guest. We'll get in some never too early talk, maybe some dynasty talk there as well. Uh, in case you are jonesing for more high stakes fantasy football conversation, don't forget live on the Better Sports Network tomorrow. The high stakes fantasy football show goes live at uh, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern for two full hours. Any of the FFPC socials, including this FFPC YouTube channel, it will be myself and the analytics of Dynasty's Jordan McNamara. So you want to get two hours of rookie and Dynasty talk, you're going to get it tomorrow with Jordan McNamara and myself on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show. The 2024 Fantasy Pros Championship is live at myffpc.com. A million-dollar grand prize, a $6 million prize pool. Live drafts are going off. I've commissioned a handful of them already. Slow drafts going off there at myffpc.com, which is also your home for the Never Too Early Best Ball Tournaments, the classic um, uh, Best Ball Never Too Early Tournament, $125 to enter, $25,000 grand prize. The Superflex Never Too Early Tournament, $35 entry fee, a $10,000 grand prize. Those will go all the way up to April 25th. That is when uh, registration and drafts will be cut off for that uh, prior to the NFL draft starting. So make sure you're registering for that at myffpc.com. And if we've whet your appetite for more Dynasty Leagues, we have plenty of Dynasty Orphans available for you. MyFFPC.com is where to go. A lot of those uh, orphans have already had their entry fees lowered for 2024 to entice you to pick them up and ride them to glory. That's at MyFFPC.com, MyFFPC.com. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the video, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, and get notified every time we go live right here on the FFPC YouTube channel. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Your weekend officially starts a little early right now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. By the way, I should mention this too. Um, next Tuesday on, that would be March, I think March 5th. Uh, I think it's Tuesday. Yeah, March 5th. Uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown will be back for the month of March episode. Um, booking a guest on that currently, probably going to have a dynasty flair to that show as well. So tune in Tuesday night, 10 o'clock, right here in the FFPC socials, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook to watch uh, some dynasty conversation at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So you'll have three full shows from the FFPC next week. Uh, thank you so much for watching, everybody. Really appreciate you tuning in on a Wednesday night. Uh, go forth, be awesome, and uh, pick up some dynasty teams and enter in those uh, FFPC early tournaments that are going on right now and make 2024 the year of you.